Our second scripture reading today comes to us from the New Testament letter to the Philippians. St. Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, which is in modern-day Greece, and he was writing this letter while imprisoned in Rome. He wasn't yet sure how his life would turn out. So here he is reflecting on Christian community and who Jesus Christ really is. Listen. If, then, there is any comfort in Christ, any consolation from love, any partnership in the Spirit, any tender affection and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or empty conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves." Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, assuming human likeness, and being found in appearance as a human, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him even more highly and gave him the name that is above every other name, so that at the name name given to Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning once again. It's great to be with you here today on the second Sunday in the season of Advent. I want to say hi to those, again, worshiping online on Facebook Live or YouTube or listening to the sermon podcast later today. Hi to all of you who are here in person. It's great to be with you. Last, this last week, I was at the Christmas tea which is one of the special events in the life of our church. And there's a lot of um, extra events happening this season and, uh, in the church and out in the community. When I was there, I was talking to Gail Myers, who's a longtime member of our church, and she was there with her husband, Jim. She's here in the front. And she leaned over to me and she said, did I ever tell you about my pet squirrel? <laughs> and I said, I, d- I don't believe you have. And she said, well, we had this pet squirrel. We, it was tame and we, 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 we trained it and it would play with us and it would eat food right out of our hand. She said, I have a picture for you that would be perfect for your sermon this Sunday. And I don't think she knew what my sermon was about, you know? She was just sort of, I I really appreciated that. She entrusted me as the preacher to weave it in seamlessly. And And I tried to get the picture. I didn't get it in time for this week. I hope to have it for you soon. But we were talking with Gail and Jim, and I know, I'm sorry. And um, somebody looked around the tea and said, you know, Gail and Jim were Sunday school teachers here in our church for a long time, and some of their former students are here. And um, so we called them all together. We took this picture. I'll show you a picture. We took a picture. And this is Carlo Panaghetti and John Caselli and Tori Loomis, all of whom were fourth and fifth grade Sunday school students in the late 90s. And they are all grown up and launched into their lives, and you can see the next generation is there too. And I was thinking about this picture when I was reading Philippians this week. Think about this. St. Paul, who's writing to the church in Philippi, he's talking to people who were in his Sunday school class years before. He had been their teacher. 
He had spent much time with them. He loved them and served them and helped them and wanted what was best for them, just like Jim and Gail Myers as adults teaching young children. And Paul is writing to them and is drawing on their relationship to remind them how they are now meant to live in faith. He says, if there is any comfort in Christ, if there's any consolation from love, if there's any partnership in the Spirit, if there's any tender affection and sympathy, that's like four if statements. And we don't really like if-then, you know, propositions. But the meaning here is not conditional. He's not saying, if you really love me, go get me a latte. That's not what he's saying with these ifs. He's saying it more like, if we have all these things, uh, shared affection and tenderness and um, uh, comfort in Christ, which we do, therefore live this way. He's saying, since we have this relationship to draw on, since we have been blessed by God, let's now respond with how we live. Since all of this is true, here's how you can then live it out. Make my joy complete and be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord with one mind. And Paul uses this phrase, it stands out, one mind or the same mind, a bunch of times right in this little passage. And the point is not that everybody should have the same mind of thinking the exact same way about everything. In the Christian community, we have been given great freedom to have a diversity of opinions about ideas and and topics of the day. That's a gift from God. We're not robots who come in here and say everything the exact same way all the time. This is an important feature of Christian community where we have great freedom with each other. I like to remind the uh, new members of our church when they come into our new members class just to kind of describe our congregation this way, that we're a big tent church. You know, that we have a big tent where there's a room for all kinds of folks to gather. And the centerpiece The center pole of the tent is Christ himself. He's the one who holds everything up and holds everything together. So then on a given Sunday here in our church, you can look down the pew and back, you can look in front of you and behind you, and you will see people who have different life experiences from you, different life circumstances from you. Somewhere right near you, there's somebody who's in a different place on that theological or political or socioeconomic spectrum. That's a fact. There's great diversity in our church, which we celebrate. But our diversity, our stretch, our reach, our wide embrace are always held together by Christ who's at the center. And so we kind of agree together to have one mind, to have a shared purpose, a shared direction, a common attitude as we grow in grace as a church body. You know, Sunday school teachers really lay a foundation for faith, but then each person builds the house of their faith their own way, right? Everybody's house looks a little bit different. Everybody's life is unique. So Paul is saying that in order to have all of these things working together well and to be able to kind of stick together, we need to have that common or shared faith in the middle. Ours is not a faith that lords it over anybody else. It's not a faith that has to be pushed on you or forced onto somebody. That's not the way of Christ. Somebody once said that if you're trying to climb the ladder of life, whether in your career or to get social status or socioeconomically or whatever, as you're climbing that ladder up, you will pass somebody on the way. It's Jesus, but he's coming the other direction. He's coming down, 
and that is the way that he operates. We follow a Lord who shows us how to live with humility and trust. Paul says this. He says, let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Preacher Fred Craddock puts it this way. He says, Paul regarded as inappropriate to the body of Christ the selfish eye, the pompous mind, the ear hungry for compliments, and the mouth that spoke none, and the heart that had little room for others, and the hand that served only self. Paul is our patient Sunday school teacher today. He's reminding us of the way that we are called to live and act how we're meant to think about other people, how we're meant to treat them. In the Greco-Roman world of the first century, which is the context in which Paul is writing, they they were a place of deep social hierarchies. You knew where you stood on that ladder of life. It was that kind of a culture. So people were always trying to see where they, how they stacked up with somebody else. But Paul is teaching them a different way. Our attitude as Christians is not to put anybody down. It's not to, be, to overly inflate our own importance. It is meant to be self-sacrificial in how we live for the sake of others. Maybe let me ask it this way. Just apply it with you. For this Advent, Christmas, December to remember that we're in right now, how can you apply the way of Jesus in your life this week? Listen to it again. Do nothing from selfish ambition or empty conceit this week. In humility, regard others as better than yourselves this week. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others this week. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus this week. As you approach this week, How can you take on the mind of Christ a little bit more with your family, your siblings, your spouse, your kids, your parents, your in-laws? What is God trying to teach you today by lifting up these words from St. Paul on this Sunday with you sitting right here? What's the reset you want to make in a key relationship in your life or in your attitude or in your actions as you follow Christ toward Christmas? I love how St. Paul says all of this and then gives the ultimate example. And every Sunday school kid knows the answer is always Jesus. It's a go-to. Jesus is the one who exemplifies the way to humility and service because he was with God and he was God, as we heard last week from John's Gospel. Or he was in the form of God but did did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped or held onto or exploited Instead, he emptied himself. He took on the form of a slave. He was found in human likeness. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even to death on the cross. I wonder if you guys remember this story. It's by C.S. Lewis. It's called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It's about four human children who go through a wardrobe. That's a fancy British word for a closet. And magically, they enter into this other realm. It's called Narnia. And Narnia is full of talking animals, mythical creatures, a powerful witch, and a great lion named Aslan. He's their king. And at one point in the story, one of the four siblings, Edmund, has done a terrible thing. He betrays his, brothers and his sisters and his brother, 
and, and their, animal, their talking animal friends, and he goes to the white witch's castle, and he goes over to her side. And in the end, Aslan, the great lion, he wants to come and get Edmund back from the witch, but she refuses. She says, you, in a witch voice, you know that every traitor belongs to me as my lawful prey, and for every treachery I have the right to kill. According to the law and logic of their land, this is right. Anyone who betrays someone as a traitor belongs to the white witch by rights. So Aslan goes to talk with her, and he negotiates with her. Then he comes back and tells the children, all will be well. Your brother is free. But the price of the freedom of that young boy is that Aslan has to go to the white witch as her prisoner. He will be humbled. He will take on the form of a slave. He will be obedient. So she and her forces, they take him. They tie him up. They cut his hair. They, they shave off his lion's mane. They taunt him and they mock him, and they kill him. And it's no spoiler, I don't want to spoil it for you, to say that Aslan is a Christ figure in this story. He does what Jesus does. He gives up himself for the sake of others. He goes all the way to death for our sake. In the story, the white witch, she knew deep magic, which said, this is the law of the universe, which said anyone who does these wrong things belongs to my side, belongs to me. And she was right, and she claimed it. But Aslan knew deeper magic. And the deeper magic was this, that in the end, the emperor who lives on the far side of the, of the sea, he raises Aslan to new life. And Aslan returns in glory and power to defeat the witch and set everybody free from a land where it's always winter but never Christmas. And this Christmas, as it comes, we're gathering to witness again the miracle of the coming of Christ, the one who comes for the sake of the world, the one who comes through self-sacrifice, the one who comes to set us free too. The invitation today on this second Sunday in the season of Advent is simple. It's to listen again to the story of Christ, to see how he's described in the scriptures, to hear his call to each of us that we would live a life of faith, that we would walk in his way. And so would you take on the mind of Christ today? Would you be unified with others who are also seeking to follow Jesus the house of their faith might look a little different, but the foundation is the same. Would you receive God's grace and love for you again, even as you offer it a little bit more to those around you? God bless you in this Advent season. May the peace of Christ guard your minds and your hearts today. Amen.